Hey, uh, good to be with you. My name's Andy, and just honored to spend Memorial Day uh, with you. I was driving by 129, and I don't know if you noticed uh, Lance Corporal Przinsky's uh, title there, right by the highway. I had the privilege of standing over his uh, graveside at uh, Arlington and performing that uh, funeral. He was one of the first deaths here in our area. His family used to attend our church, and so I'm just very mindful of our freedom. It came at great cost, so I hope that whatever we're doing this weekend's lots of fun, but we're also just thinking of uh, the gift that freedom is and at the high cost that it's been paid, so certainly happy Memorial Day. I just want to echo Matthew's great words and reminder. Um, speaking of great things, last week, uh, we just had an exciting weekend here. Uh, I'm new to Four Corners staff, so I'm new to some of the things that Four Corners does, and there's a lot of things I'm just really enjoying, and one of them is that Next Steps card, and I just want to highlight something because uh, just when good things happen, I think we should celebrate that. Last week, uh, we had 380 people take a Next Step. Uh, so in, re- in light of what God was doing in that community, 380 people identified one action step that they could take. And, and I just want to really challenge us, particularly if you're kind of new to that whole experience. Boy, this is, there's something very powerful when you articulate a plan. When you say, okay, I'm going to do something with what I've heard. The, the writer James wrote his whole letter, his whole epistle on that idea. And one of the funny things we got was a connect card from a guest, Pastor Ben talked through kind of how we were very mindful of guests, so sometimes we'll use, we're very deliberate with our words and the things that we say. We try to kind of remove all the assumptions that we all get used to when you attend church. You start speaking a whole different subset of words that nobody speaks outside of church. I mean, if you're at work and you say to your buddy, hey, can we go do some fellowship? You'll be in the HR office probably in the afternoon trying to understand what the heck are you talking about? But Here's kind of the cool thing. Last, last week we got this Connect card from a, a woman that dropped off their child over at Pump It Up next door and decided to come to church, which I would never do. I would, there's no way I would ever just randomly walk into a church. It takes great courage, and she did that. And she said in her comment section, best Christian rock group I've ever heard. And I've heard a lot of them. And then she prefaced it, and I've rocked them all. So I don't know. She didn't say that, but I, I just added that part. I thought that was pretty cool, a little Bon Jovi. But the, the best part was she took step A, and she said, I'm giving my life to Jesus Christ. That's pretty fun. Yeah, that's cool stuff, guys. And uh, I think that tells us a lot about an atmosphere. That tells us a lot about the significance of first impressions and guest services and helping people be welcomed at, you know, maybe when you asked that question, you reached over to her and you talked and you smiled to her and you mentioned your name and you laughed. Maybe she felt a little bit more welcome. So just way to go, way to be part of that. And uh, again, we'll finish this week like we do every other week. We'll talk about next steps. And I hope that you'll participate in those because I think God shows up. Well, today we're going to return to the scripture we looked at last week in which uh, the Apostle Paul, who wrote the majority of the New Testament, is writing to this young group of believers, and he's saying, hey, here's what happens in a healthy church. Here's what happens when people come together, and there's some things that happen in that church that are very predictable, that are very uh, similar to all these kind of things. And so he wrote this, because we kind of love you so much, 
You see, love is always compelling us to action. Love is not simply a feeling. Love is an action. Because we loved you so much, we did something. We were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, and we we talked about what that was last week, the power that that has in changing our lives, not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. So there's two things that we shared. We shared the truth of who God is and what He does and what, what He provided that you can't provide for yourself. And then we offered ourselves to you, and you offered yourself back to us. And as a result of that, something powerful happened. Here it is. We also thank God continually because when you receive the Word of God, which you heard from us, so in other words, they took a next step. They took a bold next step. They didn't just go, oh, that was interesting. You know, and by Tuesday they had thrown it off and forgotten it and returned to kind of the culture at work. They didn't just simply say, oh, okay, well, that's, you know, that's kind of Sunday. Let's get back to work or let's get back to the way we do our family. Let's, you know, do that. They, something happened as they encountered the Word of God. They didn't just accept it, Paul says, as human words, but it actually is the Word of God. So today, when we teach and we talk through Scripture, we're actually hearing God speak. And so my prayer always is, is God, let me get out of the way so that you can be front and center. Show up and show off. So that the, the Word of God is actually at work, not just around you anymore, but in you. And isn't that the challenge of church? Some of us have cut our teeth. You've been at church, you've been at church your whole life. You can finish the verse that I'll just have told you. I can tell you a story and you'll go, oh yeah, here it goes. But is the Word of God at work in you? In you. That's ultimately where it lands. Is it working in you? And the next bold step is a declaration and a promise and a participation with God. I surrender. I want that work to happen in me. Not just simply around me. So today we're going to talk through this second idea that Paul speaks about. The the idea of sharing our lives. The idea of sharing our lives. And if uh, Lisa mentioned it, so I just want to return to it. The small group catalog, as you are just looking at that, let me, let me kind of explain a little bit about some of this uh, in case it is new for you. There's, there's sort of three hubs that we concentrate on. We talk about connect groups around here, and connect groups are primarily event-based uh, opportunities to meet, and this is where you'll just build relationships. You'll go all over. You'll go to Kings Island and go to the water park, you might go to the museum. You, you, can, you can read those and you'll see high, high relationship. High, high relationships. Just say hello, meet. It's a great way to build just friendships and begin that sort of breaking down this barrier of uh, who are all these people? Who are all these people? And then the next one is serving groups. Serving groups are literally where you get up from the seat and you go serve, and you start to use your gifts, your talents, your passions. You use them here within our four walls, or you use them locally, or you use them internationally. So we're going to take a team to Haiti, and Lisa's talking about India, and would it be possible for us to send a team to India? And so that's the idea of serving groups. There's feeding hope. We take care of some of our neighbors in need, and you can be a part of the feeding hope program that just was here the other night, and it was fantastic. And then the the last one is, and this is the one that I'm going to kind of talk a lot about today or give you all my application is probably going to land in this group. It's called the learning groups. These happen in homes, primarily. 
And this is where you open up God's Word and you begin to talk about how you understand God's Word at whatever level of understanding you have. There's this back and forth of encouragement. The leader's not there to fix you, preach at you. That's not the point. But it's just fellow journeymen coming together around God's truth and understanding and and creating this environment of encouragement. See, now, if I were to sort of talk through kind of why we think groups matter, it's not because we want to grow the church. You know, this isn't a tool to, to get it the church bigger. This is a tool to help us grow because our spiritual well-being requires more than 75 minutes on a Sunday. Your well-being requires more than what's happened in, in this room for however many weekends you come. Our well-being, your well-being, requires more than just simply reading the Bible. Christianity is not an individual sport. It's a team sport. It's always been and it always will be. It requires more than prayer. You just hunkering down in a room and praying for hours on end. That's beautiful. That's powerful. But there's more to the faith. It requires more than singing. Some of us just love to sing, 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 and it requires more than that. Our spiritual growth is enhanced when we have an intentional time, when we take our schedule and we say, I'm going to give a certain amount of time, whether it's weekly, monthly, whatever it is, and I'm going to meet with some people and we're going to have a purposeful conversation about what's going on in our lives. The questions will be, how are you doing? Really? 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 See, because here's what I know about my life, and here's what I know about you. And I, I'm a pastor. I'm around people all the time. That's like all I do is talk and connect with people. Do you know what? I can connect with a lot of people, and no one know me. No one know me. I, I've realized that Christine and I, my wife, we can be around lots of people and feel extremely lonely. What I've come to realize is that I can make a mistake and think that I have, because I have lots of acquaintances, I have friends. People who walk with me. I can, I can make the mistake of simply allowing the, the busyness of life, the growing of my children, to determine everything that we do as a family. It got so bad, and I think I've told this story before, but it got so bad early in, in life. We used to get up on Saturdays, and we would just go. Anybody ever do that? You just got a chore list, just three of us? Thank you very much. So it's it's going to be a great Sunday for you and I, buddy. But everybody else, I'm not raising my hands. I'm not doing it. So here, here's the thing. So we get in the car one Sunday with little kids. We strap Gracie and Owen in. We start driving and uh, I said, where are we going? And Christine goes, I don't know. And I said, what do you mean you don't know? She's like, what? We got, I got in the car. I thought you were driving. I said, I thought we were going somewhere. We had just gotten in such the routine to go, 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 go. We never said, where are we going? What are we doing? Let me ask a question. Where are you going? What are you doing? Do you like where you're going? Do you even know where you're going? Do you have some people who say to you, where are you going? What are you doing? Why are you going there? Or if they do that, do you cut them out of your life? They're judgmental. You know? let, me, let me illustrate 
the power of groups. Do you mind, guys? I'm just, for the sake of just this, I'm going to do that. Will will move it back at the end of the service. I want you to think of groups kind of like uh, in, the, in your life. It, it's got a lot of things. It's as, uh, I'm going to put this down here. Your life is, represents all kinds of different arenas, but I, for, for the sake of our conversation, I wanted to represent three areas today, okay? This is your character. So this is who you are in the in, innermost being. This is you, are you truthful? Are you reliable? Are you, you faithful? Um, are, are, you, are, are you emotionally grounded? This is your relationships. So this is what, you know, this is your friendships, your, your relationship with your kids, all that good stuff. And then this one is what you do. This is your responsibilities. So this is who you are as a person. This is your uh, relationships. And this is your responsibilities. Now, see if you agree with me on these couple of statements. Our character shapes the quality of these two other areas of our life. We said this, our character shapes the quality of these two arenas. Whether it's a healthy character or whether it's an absolutely destructive character, it will spill out into your relationships and your responsibilities. Eventually. Eventually. Now that's not my idea that Jesus said the very same thing. Look at this verse that he wrote, that he spoke when it comes up. But these things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart Where are they coming from? They come from here. What you speak is not because of other people. It's a reflection of here, Jesus says. And he goes on. These are the things that make us unclean. And that was, you know, the Jewish mindset was what is clean and what is unclean? What is pure? What is impure? Evil thoughts come out of a person's heart. So does murder, adultery, and other sexual sins. He goes on. And so does stealing, false witness, and telling lies about others. These are the things that will make you unclean. Jesus says there's not a high dividing wall between what's going on in you and what's going on around you. It's just not a high dividing wall. Now, we know this, right? But that's not really a new idea. In fact, I can give you a kind of a real-life example. There's a couple whose marriage is hanging on by a thread, they're on the verge of, of, forget it, we'd be better divorced. They're not wrestling with marriage issues. You know, they're not, they're not coming to see a divorce attorney or a pastor or a counselor because they can't figure out, should it be chick flicks or should it be guy movies? That's not why they're meeting. That, they're not going to a counselor because they don't know, should the toilet paper be up or should it be under? which we all know it's over, right? I mean, that's just, that's how it should be. But they're not doing that. They're coming to the end of their rope because of what's going on inside them. Because of one spouse's habits 
with sexual appetites. They're at the end of their rope because of their morals around money and truth. Uh, they're they're kind of coming to the end because of the things that are going on inside them. Inside them. I mean, you have your stories, I have mine, of men and women who had great relational skills, was incredibly successful at school, at work, or whatever. And all of a sudden, all kind of things fell apart. And when they fell apart, they fell apart in large point because of what was going on inside them. Inside them. Here's the next thing about, see if you agree with this sort of assumption that I have, and that is, is that culture draws our attention primarily to the quality of this part of our life, our relationships, and our responsibilities. But rarely does culture point us to pay attention to our character. Just, just think a little bit about all the things that we're concentrating on right now. School college where do, where do we go to school is that the right school did i get an sat test and does it was it high enough so that i could be successful in my responsibilities you go to work and your work draws attention to the bottom line are you being successful are you making money you can read book after book after book about relationships how to win people how to use your words to get people to kind of move in the same direction you can get apps that will, you can download that will help you connect relationally. And none of those things are wrong. None of those things inherently by themselves are bad. But let me ask you, where are you going to work on this? Who in your life is helping you with this arena? Who in your life is asking when you gather, what's going on inside you? Yeah, 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 I know you're busy. You know, you've, you've told me that for like six months. How's that impacting your marriage? And you've got to sit and talk through that kind of stuff. If you're saying to me, you know, Andy, I'd answer no one. Can I just pastor that for a minute? That's really dangerous. And that danger might not be showing up here. And that danger might not be showing up here yet. And if you're a spiritual person, you could even make a case that he's just kind of wooing and waiting, wooing and waiting, wooing and waiting. And then all of a sudden, we're a story that somebody tells. You remember that? See, it's just such a big deal. And every day, I get, I get a front row seat to carnage from people who isolated themselves, who did not participate in a system or a structure in which this was monitored. And we've kind of bought a myth in sort of Christian teaching that, I, that I've actually probably even contributed to, is that it's just me and Jesus. 
It's just me and Jesus. You know, as long as I got me and Jesus. No, it's never just you and Jesus. It's you and the community of other believers. It's you learning to share your lives. Here, here's another thought. Is that every day, culture chips away at our character. Every day. Every day, culture is just kind of cutting down character. See, I don't naturally grow more loving. Left to my own, I don't naturally act in an incredible amount of joy and peace and patience and kindness and and generosity. I don't naturally open up my hands and start to think, man, how can I be a blessing? I naturally drift towards serving me. I naturally drift towards anxiousness. I naturally drift towards how do I get from you what I need? In fact, the gravitational pull of things like hurt, the gravitational pull of things like pressure, the gravitational pull of things like temptation has the power to erode my character. And if I'm not tracking with a few healthy people, not all these people in my room, not all, a few, two, three, four, five, eight, ten. If I don't have a few people, my heart gets sick. Jesus said it gets unclean. It gets unclean. That's why groups matter. That's why groups matter. That's why I want every single one of you in a group. Is because I want your heart clean. And I think it's a great way for that to happen. You might have your way, but if you don't have a way, try this way. Try this way. Until you have a better way. In fact, Paul would go on in a letter to the uh, Christian Hebrews, these Hebrew Christians. They had just come to faith, but they were Jewish in their ancestry and their thoughts and their understanding, their religious persuasion. So they're trying to understand, how do I reconcile my Judaism with Jesus? And so Paul's writing this letter. They're drifting back towards sort of some the Old Testament and the law-keeping, and they're trying to really wrestle with this whole thing. How do I do this? What's grace? And so Paul writes this letter to clarify what's going on in them and how they should respond. And it's in the letter of Hebrews that he makes some very interesting statements. And he talks about the power of your private disciplines and your public worship, your corporate relationship, your responsibilities and relationships. And we're going to walk through this verse, and at the end of it, we'll just kind of make some applications. This is uh, the first thing that he says in verse 23 of chapter 10. It'll be up on the screen soon. This is a pretty cool word, I think. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who is promised is faithful and that's the whole point of the gospel that we talked about last week who's faithful he's faithful but we have a relationship in response to his faithfulness and unswerving so swerving is where you're starting to drift to the left starting to drift to the right you know how many of you don't raise your hands but you kind of look at the text i've never done this you look to the text you look up and you're like, holy smokes, like I'm, like, I'm way swerved. Isn't, isn't it true? It's just like a marriage can swerve, can it? Christine and I are always caught off guard by how 
just a few weeks of a lack of attention to us, and we just turned sideways. We swerved. It's amazing how much pressure is on my children to swerve. Maybe, maybe you're feeling that. You know, maybe you've swerved a little bit. So Paul says, hey, we've got to stop swerving. We've got to hold on to that faith. And what's happening is the Hebrews are starting to go, well, maybe he's not who he is. And, you know, maybe the pressures of life have gotten a little bit better of him. So he says, no, 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 no. Let's hold on to that. And then he begins to add this. So he says, now look, let's think through how do we, how do we reduce swerving? Okay? Is it you grab the wheel and you hold on? Is it you hunker down and, you know, you just, you just don't talk to anybody? No, no, no. Watch what he says. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards what? Towards what? What is it? Towards what? What's love that Paul said? What does love compel us to do? Share the gospel in our lives. See the circle? Paul's making all this stuff connect back to each other. Let us spur one another on towards love and good deeds. In other words, we've got to have some people who we say, you have permission to speak into my life. Let me tell you who I am apart from the work of God in me. Let me tell you where I swerve. You know where I swerve? When my family's not there, I get on the computer and I swerve. Let me tell you how I swerve with my money. Let me tell you how I swerve when that person's hurt me. Would you hold me accountable? Would you help me? Would you speak into my life? Would you at times say something that I don't necessarily want to hear, but I need to hear it? Hey, you need to be careful there, man. Ah, who are you? Who do they they think they are? They're so judgmental. Let's leave that church. I don't like those people. You've got to be a person who's deliberate on that, guys. Like, it's as important, and, and dare I say it's even more important than the select team. Don't throw a rock. It's okay. It's okay. Here, here's the thing, guys, as a pastor. I, you know, I've never counseled anybody, and they said, you know, my problem is I didn't play enough sports growing up. Problem is, man, we didn't have enough, you know, activity. In fact, I bet you could probably trace back to the quality of your family growing up if mom and dad would have got this right. You might say, they, we might have ended up on a different trajectory. That's how big of a deal this is. That's how much. Because your life matters. Do you remember last week what we said? Your life has an eternal nature to it. It goes on and on and on. And we live with such a short-term view. But we've got to have some people around us who go, hey, let me spur you on to something better. 
People that just simply say, how's it going? And then I love this last line. Let's back up a little bit. Let us hold unswervingly the hope we profess, for he has promised to be faithful. Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. So in every group, you're sitting there thinking, love and good deeds, love and good deeds, love and good deeds. You're in the golf league in the connect group. Somebody's talking to you and you're thinking, love and good deeds and a great straight shot. And then he says this, and let us not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Let's not stop meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Now, why would people stop meeting together? This is not a, pastors use this verse all the time to talk about the large group gathering. This is why you should go to church. No, that's, this is written particularly for the environment of small group, a huddle of people, your team of allies, whatever you want to say. And Paul's saying there's people that have just simply lost sight of that power. Now, why would they do that? And I thought about it. One is their schedule. They've just allowed important things to crowd out that really critical thing. The next is shame. A big one, shame. What if people really knew what I thought? What my fears were? The fact that I'm a stay-at-home mom and I resent it. I can't, can I say to other moms, who, especially to her who seems like she bought the shirt and she could write the book on being a stay-at-home mom, and I go, I hate it. Will she judge me? What will she think of me? Can I say as a dad, you know, gosh, you know, I'm, I'm failing at this, you know? Yesterday I was on the phone with a guy who was telling me his, his physical body's changing, it's impacting his sexual life with his wife, and intimacy's breaking down, and he's worried. And we just talked through some things. And Let me, let me just kind of unpack this idea for you. When we drop the mask and we start sharing out of here, the right people rally and the right people flee. And you don't want to spend your time with those people. You want to build relationship with those people who say, how are you doing really? And then the next week you meet and they say, how'd it go really? Do you have anyone that's doing that with you the other thing i think that just happens is sometimes in a group and the reason why we kind of just get out of the habit is because transparency is never really high and so consequently there's just really low levels of trust so you're busy you've got a lot going on you pile into this group because you know it's been you've been working 14 hours and you're exhausted and here you come into the group and all of a sudden, these people are talking about the bangles, the schedules, uh, you know, the hot dogs you're going to grill. And you're thinking to yourself, I, what are we doing here? I don't need just another social network. And you're exhausted and tired. But what happens, I think, in a group that people just start getting out of the habit is that when they don't move past the shallow waters and really start to explore what's going on inside one another. Look at this last phrase. Paul writes, 
then he ends this statement, he goes, but encouraging one another. So he says, let's hold unswervingly his hope that we profess, for he's promised to be faithful. Let's consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together some of the habit of doing, but here's the opposite, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. Encouraging each other. Come on, man. Run the race. Finish. Stay married. Come on, brother. You can be a parent that is like no other parent. Come on, man. Use that wealth and change the world. That's encouragement. That's encouragement. Come on. You can be a woman of God. You don't need to do those things. You don't need to take that question there. That's encouragement. That's encouragement. Who's encouraging you right now? Who are you encouraging? Gosh, there's some people in this room. You have 10, 15 years of faith. I mean, you, you could be up here teaching. You have such a wealth of experience. Who are you offering that to? Who are you speaking into? Here's some things that I wrote down that I've heard in the groups that I've attended that were moments of celebration, moments of encouragement. These are, these are actual things that people said to me. I've been sober three weeks. That's worth celebrating. What I'm about to say, I've never told anyone. When somebody tells you that, take your shoes off because you're on holy ground. God is right in your midst. And that's worth celebrating. We decided to cancel the appointment with the divorce attorney. I'm not working in that dead-end job anymore. Would you guys pray for me? I'm scared where my daughter is headed. Can we talk about that? You will have the privilege in a group of listening to someone pray for you. They'll use your name. They'll echo back to what you're asking to a God in heaven. They'll put their hand on your shoulder. And I want every single one of you to have that. And then I want every single one of you to do that. You'll get asked thoughtful questions. And you'll get asked some real softballs that you can just hit out of the park and sound brilliant. It's always Jesus. If anybody ever asks, it's always Jesus. See, Jesus. You'll laugh till you snort. And you may even cry. And that's all right. You may get angry, and you may disagree. But here's the thing. You'll have a front row seat to watching a stubborn heart soften to the things of God. And it may be your heart. And then one day when we're baptizing people, you might be the loudest person cheering because that person's in your group. And they've shared their lives. You know their story. You know where they were headed. It may be you and your group's cheering for you. 
because they know your story and they know where you were headed. We loved you so much, Paul said, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel, but our lives. So here's my challenge, 4C. Will you get past your objections? Will you reset your priorities? Will you take a risk and sign up? If this summer is just packed and it's busy and it's just what it is and you can't do it, will you plan this fall to sign up? Will you do it? I'm going to invite you to take a step today and to sign up for a group. I'm going to invite you, if you're not even signing up for a group this summer, I'd like you to still check the box and just put planning to do that in the fall so that we know how to be praying for you. But trust me, as soon as you write that, it's going to get busier. Small group leaders in this room, let me leave you with a closing challenge. Will you renew your commitment to build a church that shares the gospel in our lives? so that we can celebrate more and more what God is up to in our community. Let's take out our Connect cards. Let's talk through some next steps that we can take this morning. If you've got a pen, I'd love you just to think about this. Today, bold step number A is every step, every week. This is really the learning of sharing my life with Jesus. This is simply saying, today I'm going to make Jesus my friend. Today, he's not just a category it's not just some thought that I have out there. It's not some human idea. It's relational and real. Today, I'm asking him to come in and forgive me and lead my life. If you're making that decision, I'd love to celebrate that today. Check that box. The second step that you could take is share in the thing that Jesus did and the thing that Jesus taught, and that's sign up to be baptized. We'll be baptizing people in the next few weeks. We'd love to be clapping and cheering and encouraging what God's doing in you that weekend. If you've never been water baptized and you're at least interested in hearing more about that, I will call you, Pastor Matthew will call you, someone will follow up with you and talk about that. So check that box. The next one that you could take is just to memorize this verse out of Hebrews. And it's just the front part of the verse. There's a lot there. Hebrews chapter 10, 23. Just say, you know, I'm going to take that verse in. I'm going to kind of reflect. I'm going to think on that today. So check that box. You could maybe make all three of those your step. The next step that we could do today is I'm going to help this church in the serving culture over the summer. I've got some capacity. I'm going to let somebody rest. You know, they've been running really hard. I'm going to make room for them. It's time for me to plug in. You know, I've been watching for, and I want to serve. So we're asking people to give us six out of 26 services this summer. That's all we're asking for you to do. It'll begin in June, and it'll go through August. If you could help us with that, we're asking you to help in either kids or guest services. So we'd like you to indicate. If you don't indicate, we'll choose one for you. But would you please just be willing to serve? That'd be very helpful to a team of people that could use it. Lastly, is I just want to sign up for a small group. And right there, you'll check that. That's particular for the summer small group. Check that and tell us the number that you were going to go. And then we'll follow up with you with a leader email. And then we'll get the ball rolling. And my goodness, it'll be a great summer when we're watching the gospel and our lives get shared. Would you pray with me? Father, we are truly, truly mesmerized by the power of your words how you speak and it seems to be as relevant now as it was back then. And 
Father, I'm praying for my friends who have made that bold decision today to say, Jesus, come in. I want to share my life with you, and I want you to share your life with me. I'm praying for my friends who are signing up for groups. I'm praying for my friend who's resisting, who's thinking right now, I'm just too busy. You are too busy. Reset those priorities. Make room for this. I believe it's a big, bold decision that will have great return for you. May we be a church, God, who gets these two things right. The, the gospel and the sharing of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.